0: Welcome to Line Upon Line, brought to you by It Is Written. This is where we answer your Bible questions. Temptation is not sin. It's when we yield ourselves to that thing. That's when it becomes sin. I believe what this is, and I'm going to trust you. So what prophecies were they studying that helped them know when the Messiah would come? That's a good question. And I think we've got a pretty good answer for you here. Welcome to Line Upon Line, brought to you by It Is Written. This is where we get to answer your Bible questions. Now, if you have a Bible question you'd like to submit, please do. And keep in mind that if the question has occurred to you, there are undoubtedly many other people who are wrestling with the same question. So here's our address. Email us, would you? LineUponLine at IIW.org. LineUponLine at IIW.org. Email questions will come to us. We will answer them to the best of our capability and uh, we'll go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says. I'm John Bradshaw. With me is Wes Peppers. Wes, always good to be here with you. Great to be here, Pastor John. Thanks so much. Ready to go? I think we're ready. We've got a good question to begin we with. We've got some great ones today. This one's from Rick. It says, in Daniel 1, where it says that Daniel and his friends ate vegetables for 10 days, was God really promoting a vegetarian diet? Mm. That seems like a bit of a force. Yeah, It does. It could seem that way. Why in the world would God encourage people to take care of their health? Well, because God's a God of
1: love and he wants us to be healthy and he created us to be healthy. And he created all the things that are needed to keep us healthy. And so Daniel wasn't just coming up with this on his own. This wasn't just something that... God thought about in the days of Daniel, but Daniel remembered all the way back at the Garden of Eden when God had created a vegetarian diet for Adam and
0: Eve. It says this, let me let me yeah. read this here. Uh, Genesis one twenty nine. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat or for food is the word right there. So the yeah. first diet God ever gave was about as vegetarian as you can get.
1: Fruits, nuts, grains, vegetables, those were the things that God had chosen. And, of course, he wanted us to be creative with those and make different things like we make today. But nonetheless, those are the things that God had selected for us to be healthy. Daniel knew that, and really it set him apart. Once he did that and he honored God and he followed that diet for 10 days, the Bible says that he became 10 times wiser than all the others who weren't following that diet, who were eating from the king's table. So... There's a huge benefit to it. You can't deny it. Even scientifically today, it's been proven. 100%. That uh, it's a better lifestyle, it's a better practice, and it's started in the Garden of Eden.
0: Was God really promoting a vegetarian diet in one word? What would you say? Undoubtedly. No question about it. Why? Because He loves you. He wants you to live the best life that you possibly can. Now, the challenge is down through time. We figured out ways to do things with food that... um, not good for us. I don't know if you've ever eaten a French fry. Have you ever eaten a French fry?
1: I've had a few French you fries. You a few, just I had, a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah Probably ever,
0: more than a few. Probably I, more than a lot. I've only ever had one. One. One, and I. But I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to go back to the Garden of Eden, and Adam's digging around in the dirt. He goes, "Hmm, a potato." And who had the? Who said, "Look, if you squeeze all the oil out of that olive." and heat it up to boiling point, and drop that potato right in there, that'd just be the best thing for you. Yeah, I don't know who's thinking about yeah. that. but uh, I don't know. I mean, look, man, I love French fries. I, sorry, I just do.
1: Yeah, but you've only had one, you said. Only one. It's just the only one. one a day? It. Is that one one container a day? No, I just love that no. one French fry I Okay, ate.
0: okay. But, but we take good food. I mean, deep frying stuff. I mean, yeah. It may taste yeah. good, but it sure ain't good for you. So what we've done is we've We've really messed with our own taste buds. We have. We've learned to like things that weren't ever in God's original plan. Now, you know, the, the World Health Organization, I think it's WHO, has said that processed meat is cancer-causing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Not maybe, but is. It is. Just recently, they came out and they said processed foods mm-hmm. are really bad for you. So, I, I don't know that you turned on line upon line today to get a health lecture, but... Hey, you get more than you ask for sometimes. Think about what you eat and then say to yourself, how much of what I eat is processed? How much of that is highly processed? It's just not best. It's not best. I'm not sharing with you as one who only ever eats leafy greens and celery smoothies. That's not all I eat. Um, but we really ought to do ourselves a favor and think just a little more about what we're doing to ourselves because of what we're eating. Now, I would say this. If someone's looking at their diet and oh, yeah, I'm not doing so good, I'd encourage a person to say, what little change can I make? Yeah. What's the worst thing I'm eating that I could Easily stop to do eating? eating? Yeah. yeah. What change can I make? Yeah. And if you look at it that way and you start making changes – and you don't say to yourself, "Well, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to be eating exactly like Daniel." You know, that's okay to do that, but it's yeah. kind of tough. It's tough. So we just say this because we love you. Make some changes. Think about your diet. That Daniel diet—that's that's the very best diet. Closer we can be to that, um, the better. And you know, sometimes we, we eat a lot of food-like products. Oh yeah, food-like oh, products yeah. that are not really food. Oh, so many times I've said. Hey this food the interesting thing about it is it's a lot like food. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's right. It resembles food.
1: That's right. And and we kind of if we kind of turn our nose up at the Daniel diet or the Garden of Eden diet what we're really saying is God didn't make that great of a thing. Yeah. And so what what we need to say is hey God has ordained this. He's he's made this for me for my good, for my health. There's nothing good that God's ever going to take away from us. He's always going to give us the best. And so what is the best, and how can I obtain that, the gift that God has given to me? And he's done that so that we can have the greatest joy and fulfillment in our lives. So, you know, like you said, just um, we want to consider those small changes and start implementing the good. You know, another thing is to get some good exercise, get good, good sleep. Yeah. Make sure you're, you're doing your
0: body good, yeah. and your mind will thank you, your heart will thank you. I I don't want you to think that I'm stuck on French fries. Oh, man. But you know the good thing about it? Good French fries are very hard to find. They are very hard to find. Most fast food places, the French fries are garbage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so not that I would know, you know, because I only ever did eat one French fry. (laughs) (laughs) We all believe that. Everyone watching believes that, Pastor John. Yeah. Yeah. Question from Mac. (laughs) Actually, two questions. Mac says, I have two questions. What is the specific work that Jesus is doing right now in heaven and What is the specific work that the Holy Spirit is doing right now in heaven? So we could take all day to answer this, but we won't. I'll throw to you that first one. What's Jesus doing in heaven right now? Sure. You know, uh,
1: this is a big answer. Uh, I'm going to try to give it as short as we can. In the book of Daniel, chapter 8, verse 14, it speaks about the final end time judgment. To 2300 days, the sanctuary shall be cleansed. When you read the book of Hebrews, you see that there is a sanctuary in heaven in which the process of salvation is being uh, taken place. And Jesus, when he went to heaven initially, he presented his blood to his Father. And now he's doing that final work of judgment. Revelation 14, 6 says, and 7, that the hour of his judgment has come. Amen. So the work of judgment is taking place. How long does that happen? Until Jesus comes. We don't have an exact date for that, but we know that that's happening now god 's examining the records, the whole universe is looking on in the battle between good and evil, uh, but that 's what Jesus is doing right now he 's also interceding for us as we pray. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit carries our prayers into heaven and mixes them and blends them with the prayers of Jesus, and God answers those according to his will so there's many things Jesus is doing that's about as short of a summary as we can give i'll give a couple a of Bible answers.
0: <clears throat> Hebrews 7, verse 25 says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus is making intercession right now. In Hebrews chapter 8, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who was set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle. Best place you can go to find out what Jesus is doing for you right now is the book of Hebrews. It'll explain his high priestly ministry just powerfully. Appreciate what you said. What's the Holy Spirit doing right now?
1: Yeah, what's the Holy Spirit doing? He is doing a great work on the earth, especially he's doing the work in our hearts. And when we come to Jesus by faith, the Spirit of God has been already drawing us to Christ. So he's convicting us of sin He's comforting us in our troubles. He's bringing us closer to Christ. He's doing that work of re, of removing the sin in our life, of bringing us to a place of surrender to Christ. And he's uh, moving upon the world to do so. So there's many things that you may want to add some things to that. I'll
0: just read uh, John 16, verse 13. Jesus said, "Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Yes. So he's doing that. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. Um, Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit and said in the same chapter, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He, the Holy Spirit, is doing those things right now.
1: I wanted to add to that, that when you said he guides us in the truth, the truth, of course, is the Bible. John 17, 17, Jesus says, thy word is truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And the Spirit of God, you you cannot truly understand the Bible without the Spirit of God. So he opens to us that understanding, and he makes that plain to us. So there's an important role. You want to ask God for the Holy Spirit every day. Invite him into your life because
0: he's doing a sanctifying work preparing you for heaven. Alvy asks, I understand that the tithe is the tenth part of our income increase, and it belongs to the Lord and should be returned to him. Now, what's the second tithe that I've heard some people talk about? Isn't mm-hmm. that interesting? Now, back, you had the Hebrew people had a second tithe used for various things. We don't read about that as being um, 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 impressed upon God's people right, today. Required. We, that's the word. We don't read about that as being a requirement. But what some people do forget is that in Malachi 3, jesus speaks i'm saying jesus the spirit of god inspired malachi to write in fact it's god speaking Mm -hmm. that god's people should be offering tithes and offerings that's right now that doesn't have to be a tithe it it might be if you choose Uh, the the tithe is the tenth that goes to god through the church the offering is however much you want it to be it could be less could be more i would encourage you not to be too tight-fisted with your offerings and they go to wherever you designate. You can give that right to the church, you can give that to wherever you see God working and something that you would like to support. Uh, you may be thinking of that, but you know, I'm not really familiar in, in my circle with the idea of a, a second tithe. Yeah,
1: some people choose to do it. It's, it like you said, it's an offering. And any, any, what people often neglect is they will mention the tithe being required of God. And it is. God says, bring a tenth into the storehouse. And he says, if we don't do that, we're robbing him. But many people leave off that phrase where it says tithe and offering. So God does ask for a, an offering above the tithe. But again, in the New Testament, it speaks very clearly about that being an amount that you decide on your own between you and God. It, there's not a certain amount or a percentage, but it says give with a cheerful heart. And so some people have chosen that second tithe. They, they do that as an offering. But you need to pray about that and ask the Lord. But I do want to say that any tithe or offering given is an act of faith. It's an act of faith because you're saying, and it's also a testimony to the world, that God is taking care of me. And I'm returning that in thanksgiving and gratitude to him. And the promise is he's going to bless you beyond he's going to make
0: your cup runneth over. That doesn't always mean financially. But he does it in different ways. He absolutely does, and always. This is Line Upon Line. We have the good fortune of answering your Bible questions. We'll do that again in just a moment. She's known as the Immortal Woman, and even though she died in 1951 at only 31 years of age, Henrietta Lacks has had a greater impact on human health than practically any other woman in history. Most people have never heard of her, but she's contributed to the study of diseases such as polio, measles, Ebola, and cancer in ways that have changed the course of medical science forever. She was raised in a cabin that at one time was slaves' quarters, and even though she died 70 years ago, a part of Henrietta Lacks is still living and making a difference today, bringing hope and health to people all over the world. Join me for The Immortal Woman, Hear the remarkable story of Henrietta Lacks and learn how you too can live forever, obtaining eternal life through Jesus, the immortal woman. Brought to you by It's Is Written TV. This season on Conversations. Many times I think I know what God wants or doesn't want Mm -hmm. me to do, and many times it's the opposite. I was uh, looking uh, next to the car, there's this family with a little ugly car, You know, I would never have, but I saw the family, they're so happy, they're laughing and giggling, I said, Lord, this is, that's what I, I want. Jesus just had this warm, loving feeling that I just couldn't describe, and I wanted it more than anything in this world, and I knew He was the answer. I don't know how I knew, I just knew He was the answer. Amen, amen. She is Gail Haberkamp. His name is Dr. George Guthrie. She once was a practitioner of Santeria. I'm John Bradshaw and this is Our Conversation.
1: Now available on itiswritten.tv
0: Welcome back to Line Upon Line, brought to you by It Is Written with Wes Peppers. I am John Bradshaw, and here's another of your Bible questions. This one's from Marsha. When the decree went forth to kill all the wise men of Babylon, were the wise men killed or were they forgiven? What sayest thou? Yeah, we don't know
1: if some of them were killed or some of them were not, but we do know that Daniel went to the king and said, please don't kill the wise men of Babylon. He intervened, and really, in that picture of daniel doing this that scenario he's a type of christ yes. he's intervening for those that were lost and doomed to death and so we see that happening so we don't know maybe before daniel got there some of them might have, we don't know that but i like to think i hope to think that he made it there before any of them were killed yeah so that would be the hope now later on in daniel 6 with the lion's den mm-hmm yeah Yeah, that was a disastrous. Yeah, that was uh, they sealed their
0: own faith. They surely did. (laughs) Question from Eric. I was told that the Bible says that we are all born into sin automatically, meaning that we need salvation. Mm -hmm. Now, if this is true, when Jesus was born, Would he have been born into sin also, automatically making him a sinner requiring forgiveness? Now, what this sounds like to me is original sin. Yes, You are born guilty of sin. You can say we're all born in sin in a sinful world of sinful parents. Even of Jesus, it says that he was born in sin, but it doesn't mean that he was born as a sinner, as a sinner. A child is born naturally with a bent towards sinfulness, with a sinful nature, but that child isn't a sinner until she or he sins. Now, I know we're, getting into, we're starting to deal with stuff that you can split hairs on, and, and what did you mean by this word and that word? I, I get that. But Jesus was not born a sinner. Jesus was not born guilty of any sin. Jesus was not born needing a Savior. That would have complicated the plan of salvation.
1: Yeah, who would be the Savior of Jesus? Yeah. You know, and uh, it's. I think you nailed it right on the head. There was a teaching that was very prevalent called original sin, where it, it simply means that a baby born had some form of sin about it, and... The practice was in those days that the baby had to be baptized immediately. And if that baby were to die before it was baptized, then it would be uh, lost. And, of course, we understand that God offers every human being, even us, all of us, with sinful natures, a choice. And so if you have to choose to sin, then obviously babies can't be born with sin. They can't have sin. They do have sinful natures, and as they grow— that will have its effect on them. But God still gives us a choice. There, And so you said, I was told that the Bible says we are all born into sin automatically, meaning that we need salvation. Now, if this is true, well, the answer is it's not true. That's the doctrine of original sin, which is not true. We are born with that sinful nature, but as we grow and develop, it needs to be, uh, we have to make the choice to sin. But in the same choice that we have to sin, God gives us the choice not to sin, and he gives us power
0: to resist temptation if we're willing to yield ourselves to him. Um, not the simplest concept. Yeah it's, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's one that's
1: got tentacles. Entire books are written on this, many books. And it's a good subject, but it's a deep
0: subject, hard to cover thoroughly in a question and answer program. Yeah, but you gave it a shot. Yeah. Pat asks, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit a separate baptism to the baptism of new life? That's water baptism. Upon accepting Christ as our Savior, are they the same or are they different? Well, let me read to you here, and I hope I can find that Bible verse that I was looking at moments ago. Um, John 3 5. No, it wasn't John 3 5, but why don't you go read that because it's a great verse. Yeah, let's read that together. John 3 5. Jesus talking Uh, to Nicodemus here. That's
1: right, talking to him in the middle of the night, and he says something very profound. So, John chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, He cannot
0: enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus there is making a distinction between both. Yeah, there are certainly two baptisms. Mm -hmm. Do they happen at once or do they happen at different times? And I think we're going to say that depends. That's right. Acts 2 verse 38 is what I was thinking about a moment ago. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So indicating that the two baptisms could happen simultaneously, except there were some... Who didn't accept them simultaneously. Some were baptized by water without receiving the special baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you find that in uh, Acts chapter 19, they'd been baptized into John's baptism, water baptism, completely unaware that there had been a, uh, that there was a Holy Spirit. Now, another thing happens too, and that is that people can come to faith in Christ, and then they can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. And that should probably happen at a baptismal service that's right so the two ought to be simultaneous imagine if it's not so you're baptized but you're not filled with the holy spirit Mm -hmm. that'd be that'd be a tragedy wouldn't you be kind of empty yeah and i know
1: that at many baptismal services they do do that they baptize the person and then the pastor and the elders will lay hands on them and ask god to fill them with the holy spirit i think that's valid and important to do you think about the baptism of Jesus. When he was baptized, the spirit came down yes. in the form of a dove and landed upon Jesus, signifying that God
0: was pouring out his spirit on Jesus as he began his earthly ministry. So, I think what we yeah. say is that ideally uh, there's no reason that these baptisms should not happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. In fact, right. I feel like right. they should. Yes, But there are likely evidences, and we find them in the Bible, where it didn't happen that way mm-hmm. for one reason or another. So. And,
1: you know, sometimes it may be that... Uh, there's a, there's a certain time and place where God will allow that to happen separately, and it provides a witness and a testimony to unbelievers there, yes. and they accept them. So there's different reasons. It doesn't always mean that there's something wrong or something bad happened. It just means the timing is in, in God's hands. But daily we should be asking
0: for the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, daily. Ask daily for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Question from A.J., A.J., I'm searching for God, but sometimes the Spirit of God goes silent. I'm trying to get rid of some personal issues that I know I have. I want to please God so much, but I'm not searching well enough for Him, or am I searching in the wrong way? You know what it sounds like to me is that A.J. isn't the completed product. Mm -hmm. Complete in Jesus, A.J., you accept Jesus, you have salvation, He loves you, you receive his righteousness you are credited as having the righteousness of christ it's that simple please believe that what happens though is you look in the mirror and you go look at that i I see faults you have a day where things don't all go always go right You, you fail to keep your eyes on jesus at certain times and now you may say um i've got some personal issues that i can't get rid of I think people need to know that if you learn, if you go to drive a training school, they throw you the keys to the car. You can't drive perfectly first time out the gate. Sure. You just can't do That's it. That's right. Math class, you need to learn how stuff works before you can do calculus and algebra. You've got to f- figure some things out. Every discipline in life, there are very few people who can take a golf club and swing perfectly or get on a horse's back and know what to do right off the bat. Maybe there are some not many things are learned aj faith is learned growth is learned growth is growth so you have some personal issues in your life wes i'm going to ask you in a moment to to offer our good friends some advice but mine is be a little bit patient impatient in as much as lord take this away lord help me grow but understand that you're growing did you ever see parents with a six month old say no no good can't run can't walk can't feed itself take it back to the hospital. There seems to be a defect here. No, the baby's perfect as it is. It's just got some growing to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's a balance to that. We, we have to be patient with ourselves and know that God is doing a work in us and know that we're growing and we're not going to have that perfect picture today. But at the same time, sometimes people, certain people, personalities will use that as an excuse right. to say, oh, I don't need to worry about this. And this thing is not that big of a deal. And I think that we have to have just the right balance. We have to be patient with ourselves, while at the same time, our mindset and our attitude needs to be that we want to grow. We want to diligently seek God out. I think of this verse, uh, AJ. It's Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13. It's a very classic verse, very powerful. And he says, "Well, I'll start in verse. Let me start in verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you," says the Lord, "thoughts of peace and not of evil." To give you a future and a hope. So the first thing to remember is that God is always on our side. No matter what a circumstance is, no matter what those issues are that we're struggling and we want to get rid of, God is on our side. There's never a moment in time when God is not on our side. He's always there. Secondly, you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. The second thing is we have to take initiative. We can't just sit and wait for Osmosis to run its course I think God's going to do some miracle. We have to seek him out. God says, get up and go and pray. Thirdly, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And there's a good uh, self-examination that can take place. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. That's healthy to say, am I I lukewarm? Am I half-hearted here? Am I wishy-washy? Am I going to God in prayer and then going right out and doing the exact opposite, uh, knowing that God's given me the strength to resist? And so we want to search for him with all of our hearts and say, Lord, I want my entire heart to be yours. And sometimes we can't even give it. Sometimes we just have to give God permission to take our hearts. And so don't view the struggle as a bad thing. View it as my journey of faith, my step towards God I'm walking towards him, and if you're making that conscious decision day by day, he's going to strengthen you, he's going to walk with you, and he's going
0: to eventually get you there. You know, a guy came to me a couple of weeks ago. He'd heard me preach a sermon, and he said, hey, I want to tell you how how something I heard really helped me, and I wondered what that was. He said, you said in your sermon, if you're struggling, that's good. Yeah. Keep struggling. He said, I'd never thought about it like that. Yeah. He always thought that he was struggling, and so but you've heard of growing pains, right? If you're experiencing growing pains, keep on growing. The Bible talks about striving against sin. That's Th- right. There's a struggle, there's That's a battle, right. and that won't end till Jesus comes. That's right. Fight in the spirit and in the strength of Jesus. You'll be okay. God will get you there. He'll grow you. Hey, thanks for your questions. That's all we've got time for this time. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you again and hope that you are blessed each time you join us. With West Peppers, I'm John Bradshaw. This is Line Upon Line, brought to you by It Is Written.